0: Hello, and welcome back to the Global Storytime Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Strand. I'm also usually the storyteller. But this episode is going to be a little different than the previous episodes. This time I will not be reading the stories myself, but I have two other fantastic storytellers who want to share some stories with you, but I'll get into that in just a moment. So it is now November, and did you know that November is officially Native American Heritage Month in the United States? The celebration of the diverse Native people and cultures in this part of North America started in 1990, though I honestly didn't know about it until fairly recently, and maybe you're in the same boat. But here's a fun fact. Canada also has a National Indigenous History Month, and they celebrate it in June. So to bring some awareness to this month and to celebrate some folktales that originated right here in North America because I am located in North America, in Oregon, I bring you not just one, but two stories from the Tulalip Native American tribes who live just about an hour north of Seattle, Washington. Long ago, like a little over a year ago, when I was first tinkering with the idea of starting this podcast, my idea was to find people from specific cultures or countries to tell stories that they grew up with. This ended up being a harder task than I had imagined, and then soon I moved from Seattle to Portland, and then, as we all know, a pandemic hit, and, well, now the podcast has taken on a slightly different format. But before I moved, I reached out to the Hibab Cultural Center and Natural History Preserve just outside of Marysville, Washington, and connected with educators Natasha Gobin and Michelle Miles. The Hibab Cultural Center and Native History Preserve is a treasure trove of information, stories, and artifacts from the Tulalip tribes that has been collected over decades. They also host a number of events throughout the year like workshops in traditional art, film festivals, and classes in the Lushootseed language. The Lushootseed is one of the 20 indigenous languages of the Pacific Northwest and there is a strong push to keep the language alive. And that's exactly what Natasha and Michelle do. They teach Leshootseed. Natasha even teaches Leshootseed at the Marysville Pilchuck High School where students can take up to two years of the language. I think that it's so cool that these local indigenous languages are being passed down through generations because otherwise they would eventually die out. Anyways, Michelle and Natasha were so kind to not only read and record two stories for me, but they also recorded these stories in both English and in Leschutze, so you will hear these languages alternating in the story, with Leschutze being the first language that you hear. There is one thing mentioned in the first story, Basket Lady Swing, that I wanted to give a little more context to before we begin, is a long house. You may have seen one or even visited one before, but if you haven't, it's a long one-roomed rectangular building That would be home for multiple generations and related families, and also for storage for food and supplies. So, if you lived in one, you might be bunked up next to your cousin or your grandparents. And then, down the center of each longhouse, there are a few hearths or fires for cooking and for warmth, with holes in the roof above them for the smoke to escape. Longhouses were also commonly used by Native Americans in the Northeast, in addition to the tribes in the Pacific Northwest and by communities in South America, Asia, and Europe. I'll get into the history and the culture of the Tulalip tribes after the stories. So, without further ado, I hope you enjoy Basket Lady Swing and Beaver and Echo.
1: Basket Lady Swing, told by Agnes James, translated by Natasha Gobin, edited, by Toby Lingen. Ah, see us why. Oh, die us hot tea weotsu. U ahled a tea weotsu alti buck slushail. bas hot quiguas alt o Hoy, hey, cop ti man tea buck As you know. There was this basket lady, and she was really fond of children. She loved them for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and for snacks, too. She also loved to swing, but all of the swings were too small. Tas q'o ti at si'il ta'b'u. ut ol'gwa a ku'i The people gathered together and bargained with her. They would build her a swing and push her, but she could never eat the children again, not one of them. We will make a big swing. One post will be in the north side of the pass, the mountains belonging to Skagit, and the other will be in the south side, the mountains belonging to Snoqualmie. Hoy to Hoyalik ti atsil tabu, a qui haik yado. To Huotub Ulgua, siaswayo, duft act, gulquatub. Yadoab, siaswayo, duf shak, a tihwalch. So the people made a big swing. They pulled her over to the east side of the mountains, and they let her go. And she swung out way over the sound. As khut quigwas alt oi do, alti buck slachel, tulal quichlup datatu, twa quichlach, huak is above tich atsich taubu, huak will bead sias hwayoke. She wanted to go on her swing every day for hours. From early in the morning until night, the people were exhausted, and after a while, the thrill started to go out of it for the basket lady. Hoi alquich o slachel, astagwah, o ziaswaiq, ash ati tus asldz. Quada quisi sasali guol la Petit guasub. Hue qui guas huealos bitub a ti at atsih sasali Qui si sa And then one day she got a little hungry in between meals. She picked up two kids and crunched them down. The people won't miss one or two, she thought. Tla ti ech speeds beads ulgua. Hoi Gwaheas Quist Obad's Olgwa Gwasluckwetub ti But the people did miss their one or two kids, and yet if they broke their promise to Basket Lady, wouldn't she go back to eating lots and lots of kids? Alt oguzu to eat meat meatman what adsi eel? Utsut. Guahlu i ladab chud. Ati eecht abeeled. Guahuat adas. Hue qui guahlas haidub at sias hwayo. Te alt o ladab. As so often in stories, it was a littlest person who thought of a solution. It was Kwat'ad, the mouse. She said, I will nibble at the rope holding on one side of the swing. I will do a little every day, so Basket Lady does not notice. One of these days, the rope will break, and she will fly out over the sound and disappear forever. Hoi dihl ti Hoys alquich al to Huat a teeth a beetled, Gwo to wheat eleph, see us to all teeth yaido. All teeth ills to sack dof a teeth stolak, e ti'a sali pegwad alt, alt a sali. Alba u il ill spachos. And that is what happened. In just a few days, the rope broke, and Basket Lady flew off the swing and out over the sound. It was the rope on the north side that broke, so she flew north. She flew over the Snohomish River, where the Skykomish and Snoqualmie join it over the two longhouses on chach salit until she just got to the west side of Doflalap, and then she fell. From the looks of it, she did a belly flop. Her basket was flung out behind her, as you can see, in Skagit Bay. Dihl's hois Si hob. That's the end of this story.
2: Sti itidaha, iti da A slahlil tia sti takw. A slahlil alti ilgwill tia heg hacho cho. Dae ae. Wee kwi gwa siyayayas. Wee kwi gwa sokwaas. as hekwab. Tlu haab guo Little Beaver lived all alone, by the edge of a big pond. He didn't have any brothers. He didn't have any sisters. Worst of all, he didn't have any friends. One day, sitting by the side of the pond, he began to cry. He cried out loud. Then he cried out louder. Hoi guo Boohoo boo hoo, to loll the Wah, utsutis ti tuk. Hoi guo the Boo hoo, said Little Beaver. And then he heard, boo hoo, from across the water. Wah, said Little Beaver. And he heard wha from the other side of the water. Uquiad Asaheid quiaduf uchab. Hoiguo ulud. Asaheid quaduf uchab. To laud the ayut seed. Uquiad Ashe quab chud. Way quig wudsia ya ulud. Ashe quab chud. Why, qui guad yaya Tulal ti He hollered, "Why are you crying?" And he heard, "Why are you crying?" From the other side of the water. He hollered again. "I'm lonely. I have no friends." And then he heard, "I'm lonely." I have no friends from the other side of the water. tistitak. little beaver couldn't believe it On the other side of the pond lived somebody else was sad and needed a friend he got right into his canoe and set off to find him la ulus usuti boku dai ay ashak tochofu kwisiaya ya tu gaobchofu uwiluk tistita utsuti boku we kwiguadu hab it's a hoi he traveled in the water and he seen the duck all alone would you like a friend Was that you crying asked the little beaver. And the little duck said That wasn't me crying, but I would like a friend. I will be your friend. You get in my canoe, said Little Beaver, and Little Duck got in. La Ulu Ushu Dai Cof o gwi siaya. Tu rham cof o. O wiliacw Utsu Tisk Ak We Wee kwi gwaddu rham. Pwoy as chan gwi siaya. Di ba llad siaya Utsu ti sti tachw i ti bochw. Pwoy they traveled. They seen this river otter all alone. Would you like a friend? Was that you crying? asked the little beaver. And the river otter said, that was not me crying. But I would like a friend. I will be your friend. Get in the canoe, said little beaver and little duck. And river otter got in. La ulu, ashu ti alashak, dayai ashak chafu kuisiaya, tu Hab chafu, u wilu kuisi tak. ti alashak, hoi ashak chad di ba siaya. They traveled along. They saw a turtle all alone. Would you like a friend? Was that you crying? Asked Little Beaver. And the turtle said, That wasn't me crying. But I would like a friend. I will be your friend. You get in, little beaver said, and duck and river otter, and turtle got in the canoe. La ti bo si'ayaya hoi gu'u'lali sti Alti Al utsut Ulud quigwa Uchab Huila Bok Huela Skakuela Alashuk Hoi Guata And the four friends traveled along in the water and they arrived to grandpa's house. The little beaver said I heard someone crying. It wasn't Duck. It wasn't river otter, and it wasn't turtle. Well, who was it? Utzut Tidaha ti'il. A diayutzid ati khachok. of chaf. Uchab, uchab, abilaf chaf asheel. Asheel. It was Echo, said Grandpa Beaver. Where does he live? asked Little Beaver. On the other side of the pond, said Grandpa Beaver. No matter where you are, the Echo is always across the pond from you. Why is he crying? said Little Beaver. When you are sad, the Echo is sad, said Grandpa Beaver. When you are happy, the Echo is happy too. Utsuutituk we quiguaia yaya tidaha aladsa way quigua si yaya but how can I find him and be his friend? asked little beaver, he doesn't have any friends, and neither do I Adsa todsiya tsu. Alitsa uquiad tisak. Alitsa quiad alashak. Except for me, said the duck. And me, said the river otter. And me, said the turtle. Die ched us heel utsutis Ka ti siayas uquiad Ka. Quid yaya? ya guo Ulud Kao Quid Yaya to Lao Di Seed? Little Beaver looked surprised. Yes, he said, I have lots of friends now, and he was so happy that he said it again very loudly. I have lots of friends now from across the pond, a voice answered him. I have lots of friends now Sois.
0: The end. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed those two stories. I love that in Basket Lady Swing, it was the smallest member of the community that ended up saving the town and its children. And I think that the story of Beaver and Echo is such a sweet reminder to reach out to others if you're feeling lonely and that everybody wants a friend. So before I give you a little history and information about the Tulalip tribes, I want to give a quick review of indigenous populations in North America and how their lives have changed over, say, the last 600 years. So to start, there's archaeological evidence that people have been living on this continent for the last 20,000 years after coming over the Bering Strait from the Asian continent. And remember, the Bering Strait was that land bridge that connected the Asian continent with the North American continent. So over the next few thousand years, the populations grew, and they expanded, settling all over the North American continent and forming clans and different tribes, distinct languages and cultures. Historians and archeologists have estimated that by the 1400s, there was around 6 million people living throughout the North American continent, and they were broken into around 600 tribes. And then the Europeans arrived, as we know, They were looking for gold and other precious metals, for new lands to discover and conquer, and also spices. Imagine being so hard up for cinnamon that you build a ship and take off into the ocean where presumably there are monsters or you might even just drop off mysteriously at the end. But they persevered and they made their way to the North American continent, much to the detriment of the native population. So as we know, in 1942, Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue and he made his way to the Bahamas. He was looking for India, didn't quite make it. In the mid-1500s, French explorers came to the quote-unquote new world and slowly set up settlements, expanding their colonies to cover about a quarter of the current United States. From Louisiana all the way up most of the Midwest and into Canada. Until Napoleon, who was the leader of France at that time, sold the land to the United States in 1803. The Spanish conquistadors arrived in the 1500s and expanded their territory into North America, laying claim to, of course, all of what is now Mexico, and then also about a third of the present day U.S., They built settlements and missions that covered all of the southwest and up the Pacific coast and into present-day British Columbia. New Spain lasted for over 200 years until the Mexican-American War that was from 1846 to 1848. We know the British Puritans, the Pilgrims, they landed in Plymouth Rock in 1620. But there were actually already a few British settlements set up when they had arrived. And of course, the British expanded their colonies, became an independent country, and continued to grow until 1959, when Alaska and Hawaii were both added as states. Over those roughly 300 years, from like the 1600s to the 1900s, an estimated 50 million Native Americans died due to new diseases like smallpox that were brought over by the Europeans that the Native population had no immunization from. They also died in warfare with the Europeans or died while being forcibly removed from newly formed U.S. states and made to walk thousands of miles to what was considered Indian territories. That forced migration was called the Trail of Tears. And of course, those territories, those Indian territories, later became new states as well. So to come up with a solution of sorts of where to put these Native populations, the U.S. government started to create a reservation system in 1850 with the idea that Native populations could be self-ruling states within the United States. And then in 1924, the Indian Citizenship Act was passed by Congress, and Native Americans became citizens— and then could finally vote so today the u.s census bureau estimates that there are 6.7 million native americans in the united states and that makes up about two percent of the population california arizona and oklahoma have the largest populations there are 326 reservations in the u.s but about three quarters or 75 percent of native americans do not live in reservations now for a little more history and information about the Tulalip tribes. The Tulalip tribes is a group of tribes that have been federally recognized by the government. These tribes include the Duwamish, which, fun fact, the name Seattle comes from Chief Seattle, who was a Duwamish chief. The other tribes include Snohomish, Snoqualmie, Skagit, Suquamish, Samish, and the Stillaguamish people. All of these tribes share the language, Lushootseed, and they share cultural practices. These cultural practices included wood carving, in which the Coast Salish people, which includes all native populations in western Washington and lower British Columbia, were very skilled at. And you see this skill demonstrated in the dugout canoes that they created out of mainly cedar trees. And they use these dugout canoes to navigate throughout Puget Sound. They would use it for hunting and transportation and exploration. We also see their carving skills demonstrated in totem poles, which are tall posts or pillars that are carved with symbols that represent families and lineages and animal spirits they can be really complex and they're really beautiful other cultural practices include making clothing and hats and bowls and baskets and many other things from the bark of the cedar tree it's really amazing how people were able to take the bark and weave it together like a fabric and make so many different objects out of it Um, The Tulalip tribes also are very skilled in beadwork. And another huge part of the shared culture revolves around salmon, and the salmon runs in the rivers and in Puget Sound. Many tribes in the area would have annual salmon celebrations to honor the fish and to thank Mother Nature for providing so bountifully for their communities. And so there's archaeological evidence that the region around Puget Sound has been inhabited since 3000 BC. Archaeologists also found permanent structures and settlements dating from the 6th century that were inhabited up until about the 1800s. In 1792, the first Europeans made their way to the Puget Sound region. So it started with Captain George Vancouver. That name might sound familiar. Vancouver is the capital of British Columbia. It is the name of a very large island off the coast of British Columbia, and it is also the name of a town in Washington. In 1842, settlers started to move in, and we see the region change kind of like the rest of the country changed. Um, So reservations were created, and... In the early 1930s, the tribes around the Puget Sound area came together and unified as the Tulalip tribes. Today, the population of the Tulalip Reservation is about 4,900 people and growing. And the reservation consists of 22,000 acres on the Tulalip Bay, which is a really, really beautiful, beautiful place. I want to share a little bit more about the Lushootseed language. So, like many languages in the area, it historically did not have an alphabet. It was a verbal language, so it was just spoken. Nothing was written down. But in the early 1800s, when the English alphabet was introduced, people started to use that to write out the Leschutze language. As you just heard the Leschutze language, you can tell that some of the sounds that they use aren't really sounds that we use in English. And so over many years, people started to add in and create new letters to represent those sounds. And in 1970, the Lushootseed language was considered final and adopted by Tulalip tribe elders. The Lushootseed alphabet now consists of 43 letters, which is, of course, 17 more letters than the English alphabet to account for all of those different sounds that they use. So before I take off, I want to end with a fun fact. There are a lot of words from indigenous languages in North America that we still use today. You might be aware that kayak is an Inuit word, or that sequoia is a Cherokee word, or that the word skunk comes from the Algonquin people in the Northeast. But believe it or not, you might also already know a Lushootseed word and have used it yourself. And if you live in the Pacific Northwest like I do, then you should know this word because we have a lot of them deep in the sand, in the beaches, in the Pacific coast, and in Puget Sound. The word is gooey duck. And what is a gooey duck? It is a large saltwater clam. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you really enjoyed these stories and that you learned a thing or two, either about Native Americans in the United States or in the Pacific Northwest. And if you're curious about Native Americans in your state, I would encourage you to do a little research and find out if there are reservations in your state, what tribes they belong to, and maybe see if you can find a word or two that you already use that come from the tribe in your area. I also want to thank the Hibab Cultural Center and Natural History Preserve and Natasha Gobin and Michelle Miles. I really appreciate the work that they're doing to keep their culture and their languages alive. And I, and I am grateful for their generosity in sharing their stories with us. For more content about the Tulalip tribes and Native Americans in the U.S., Follow me at Global Storytime Podcast on Facebook and on Instagram, where I will post pictures of dugout canoes and totem poles and cedar clothing and links to powwows and all sorts of stuff and book recommendations if you would like to hear more stories from Native Americans. If you have any questions or comments or feedback or you just want to say hey, you can also email me at globalstorytimepodcast at gmail.com. That's all for this episode. I've been your host, Diane Strand. Until next time, bye!